everybody. Welcome to another segment of our Mental Health Moments. My name is Linda Gallick. I'm the Health and Wellbeing Consultant here at Bellin Health. So we appreciate you taking time to be with us today. Very excited for our session today. So as always, we have Charles Latour, who's our Behavioral Health Therapist. Charles, how are things going for you today? Very good. Thank you, Linda. How about yourself? It's a good day. It's a good day. I think the sun is coming out, so looking forward to that. And our yes. special guest today is Dayton Kasner. Uh, Dayton is actually a volunteer at Bellin Health. Uh, we are going to be talking about giving back today, and Dayton's going to share his story. So, Dayton, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks so much for being with us. We, we appreciate your time. So our Lifesaver Wellbeing topic this month is giving back. And throughout the year of 2021, we really have focused on these mental health type of topics for our Lifesaver Wellbeing. And we know that giving back actually has a lot of health benefits, uh, both mental and physical. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So Charles, one of our key phrases, and we've heard this before, is that it's better to give than receive. It's better to give than receive. So what have you seen, Charles, in your time? What, what are things that you notice about the idea of giving back? Well, I think that what you just said is one of them, is that almost everybody universally would, you know, that saying's been around forever and a day for a reason. You know, it matters. It means something. We do feel good when we give. I mean, we feel great when we get something, right? I mean, that feels great, but when we give, we oftentimes feel even better. So there is a lot to that saying, it's better to give than to receive. And we all can probably, if we think back in our own memory banks of when that has happened, we could feel that way. But some of what we get to talk about today is the reason for that, some of the science behind that experience. So. Yeah, we'll talk about why and how it's better to give than to receive. Awesome. So Dayton, um, again, our special guest today, and you do some volunteer work here at Bellin, so of course we greatly appreciate that, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dayton, and why did you decide to get involved in volunteering at Bellin? Um, it started kind of when I was in high school. You had to, you know, you want to do like your trying to get to uh, college and you might get like volunteer hours and I was doing like some here and there, but I had a, actually had a friend that was volunteering in the emergency room at Ballon and he said that it was like a pretty incredible experience because like you got to like, you kind of got to be able to make rounds around the emergency room and like you would go into the patient's room and you'd be able to like ask like how they were doing and what he found like the most enjoyable part of it is like the little like differences you could make and like a patient's day, even if it was just like stopping in there and like they're obviously in like a very stressful moment. Being in the emergency room, it's kind of scary, it's frightful. And if it was just like the smallest thing of being like, hey, do you want some water or do you like need a warm blanket or is there like anything I can do to like help make your stay a little better? And I've just found it incredibly rewarding. And I ended up being, I ended up coming back when I was coming back from college to volunteer with her again. And now that I'm back in town again, I have continued to volunteer at Bell and I started back. I don't do the emergency room anymore, but I do the front desk. And I find that to kind of be like a different fulfilling experience on its own. 
it's not as much like going into the patient's room, but it's taking them to like their appointments and the things they have to do in the day. And like, even being able to break that up with friendly conversation or banter is, I don't know, it's nice. I just, I leave and I find that like, I don't make, it's not like, it's not like obviously like the biggest impact, but I, I feel like the small changes in that person's day just, I don't know, makes a difference to them. That's so cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. And, and thank you for being that person to give those little moments, you know, to, to other people, especially to our patients. That's, that's just so awesome. Charles, what is it? What is going on inside of us that we get almost like this rush, like this feel-good happiness uh, feeling whenever it is that we, we do something for someone else or we do give back? What's, what's going on inside of us? Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, right? So, yeah, why does that happen? And part of what it is, is uh, I think in general, we are wonderful human beings. You know, we're wonderful people. Um, you're a great person. Dayton's a great person for what he has done. All the people on this call, when you think about how we're hardwired, we're really, we're wired for happiness in a way but also in a way, why not? And I'll explain both sides of that. But think of this dynamic. If you just picture this, we, we are the only species on the planet who, when we raise children, when we give birth, uh, if it's a bird, within a couple days, you know, the bird is flying out, the newborn looking for food, trying to be somewhat independent. Almost every other species within a couple days, some a couple weeks, at most a couple months. But with us, we're raising our kids and it's anywhere from nine to 49 years before they're reaching some degree of independence. That, um, and I'm kidding on the 49 for most kids. I don't think everybody, every parent has a kid in their basement still at 49, but you know what I mean? It's, it can be a lengthy period of time. So we have this love, we have this caring, we're wonderful human beings wanting to do the best with and for each other. So that's part of it. But the scientific part, I think even more to your question, is there's this concept that we've mentioned in the past, which is oxytocin. When we feel an oxytocin connection, which comes most prominently in the times of tight social connections, when we are giving and when we're receiving, not only something from someone, but someone that when we are giving of ourselves and being with each other, there's nothing greater than that. I think in many respects, that's even why what Dayton was talking about, that example of being there, make a difference. When you make a difference in someone's life, you're part of it, even if it's for a short window. When someone comes into my office here, 50 minutes, we were a part of each other's lives and we made it a connection and through that connection, there's oxytocin that comes about. And in that oxytocin exchange, we feel better for having been part of each other's lives. And we feel even better when we are the one giving that, not just receiving it. So there's more I'll say about it, but I'll pause there and see if Linda, if you have any other 
comments or questions or date and to what extent that resonates with you in your experience of what you've done. Well, I think I just wanted to comment on the idea this goes back to how we are wired to be social creatures. And so it's like we are wired to be connected to each other. And so it's very natural for us to do things for each other and for that to be part of our nature because that is indeed what, what we are as human beings. Um, Dayton, did you have any comments on, on that? Yeah, so I think like, like I, I definitely understand like the social connections and like that little impact you make in someone's life and like how like just being there with someone that you, you don't know for that little while of like that little bit of time can make like just a huge impact on that person's day. And I think like an example of I can best give is when I was in high school in the on the Special Olympics, it's like a regional Special Olympics, they come to the Schwabana in high school and like they compete in all their events there. And every single year I would volunteer during the weekend at these events. And I think especially with like those athletes, you can just see like how much value even being there and like how much joy, like just they get out of like a small event like that, that to them is like the entire year, even to you, it might be like a little weekend. And that is just like something like an experience like that. And it's why I always went back to go do it is it just, it's so amazing. Like being able to just sit in that moment and like, even if it's helping the athletes get water or if it's, you know, like organizing an event that it's just, that's crazy fulfilling. And I love that you brought that up, Dayton, because I think sometimes when people see the title giving back, they automatically think, oh, I, I need to be giving to charity. I need to be, you know, writing out a check or, or, or giving, you know, things of monetary value. And what you're really speaking to is that idea of you're giving your time. You're giving your time and your talent for the sake of, of someone else. So that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, Charles, you know, we talk a lot about the purpose, the purpose that um, we are all looking for as, as we kind of make our way through this life. And I think giving back in terms of your time, your talent, your, your monetary value, whatever, that really brings us purpose, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think purpose stands for a lot. I think in many respects, it means everything, is that what is our purpose? Why do we do what we do? Why is it important to do what we do? And sometimes without purpose, we can feel rudderless, but helping somebody, that's why you see so many people, even at different junctures in their life, feeling, okay, I've accomplished so much. I've done, I've not only accomplished, but I've done so many great things. But who has it helped? What, what has it mattered? And I've seen so many people be so remarkably successful, but not know how it's connected to a purpose and how it's helped others. And when they're able to make that connection uh, to a, a purpose, to, to something, um, Mother Teresa had made the observation that the reason her heart beat was that when she's with one other person, that's the only thing in the world. That's the only thing that mattered. And the connection that I have with that person, everything else kind of evaporates when I'm in the midst of that because that's when I'm making that difference. And that became an ultimate purpose, to be in that role. And altruism could be a purpose. 
And sometimes, let me say two other things with that, that one altruism has almost inevitably leads to a, a reciprocity. When someone does something great, we feel a need to do something great too. As much as we appreciate it, it's like, I wanna do that. That felt so great to get that I am going to do the same thing. So it develops this contagious reciprocity, which makes us want to do more with and for other people. And that's a tremendous thing. So we have this cascading effect of generosity and gratefulness and gratitude for those experiences. And what do we want to do with it? We want to pass it on and hopefully have other people feel that way. The last thing I want to say about it is the amazing thing about all of that, it makes us healthier. There's nothing healthier that we know of than being grateful for what we have and then wanting to give with and for other people, whether it's gifts, time, or ourselves, or sometimes something financial, but those are the keys. Those are some of the greatest attributes of well-being. And when you think about that, our well-being can be tremendously impacted, sometimes even predicated on how much we're doing for others. So there's more I even want to get to on that, but I'm curious to see if you have any reactions to even that commentary. Well, it makes me think about how um, I think giving and doing stuff for other people can actually heal you. And, and I have two examples of that. I think about um, my mom uh, who lost my dad. And my mom and dad were very much like a unit. They were, you know, joined at the hip. They did everything together. And he passed away um, of a heart attack when he was 61 years old. And so she was very much a lost soul and, and didn't really know what to do with herself. And what really saved her, what gave her purpose, what gave her a reason to get out of bed was she started volunteering. She started volunteering at a couple different elementary schools just reading uh, with little kids that needed a little extra help. And I tell you, that has become her life's passion um, ever since, and it has healed her. It has helped her through that grief. Um, another example I think of was for myself. Uh, I had lost um, a boyfriend at a fairly young age. He was a type 1 diabetic, and he had a heart attack. And so through the trauma of all of that, his friends and family decided to start doing a fundraiser for JDRF, which is Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, to try and do something to fight this disease. And we did that for 10 years. We raised over $100,000. And there was so much joy that came from that event, um, the people coming together and, and giving up their resources and their time uh, truly in, in the honor of him. And again, I saw the healing. I saw the healing that happened with his friends and family because we were, we were taking something really cruddy and making something good out of it. So I think what people sometimes can, can think about is if you're in kind of a cruddy place in life, and giving back may be the last thing you're thinking of right now. I am telling you, it can really, really help you. It's going to help others, and it's going to help you. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people, like, when they think of, like, giving back, they do probably think about, like, that charity, like, charity, that monetary value. Because I think, like, people think of that because they can kind of put, like, a 
like a that cost benefit to it. You know, like, like I give to this charity and like, I know like what the money is going to do. You like, you can kind of know the outcome of what you're doing. But like what most people, like my most people, I don't think volunteer their time is because they may not see, like they might not be able to like experience like that gratification that you were talking about that. Cause like even like a small moment of helping someone at a volunteer event or a charity event, you don't get to like, you might not be able to see like the change that that causes in that person's life down the road. And as like, I think it's like the more you do it, the more you experience it, the more those moments kind of build up and you might see that same person again later on in the community. And you might see that like how drastically like their life has changed and you just can like, then it kind of gives like some satisfaction or like some validation to like those moments of being able to like give back and being like, like, oh, wow, like I know I made a change rather than just like that, like the time I gave was more valuable than a monetary gift that I could have put in its place. Yeah, our time, I think, is one of the most precious things we can give because we all get the same amount of time. None of us have more time. Some of us may have a little bit more money than others, but we all get the same amount of time. So I think that that is really a precious thing to give. What do you think, Charles? Yeah, I think these are all great comments and absolutely right. I mean, every day that clock spins around twice, right? No matter what we do, that isn't going to change. So what we do within it matters more than anything else. And yeah, I did a kind of informal poll to a couple of coworkers here. And um, I'm going to give you one example. And, and I think this crystallizes some of what we're saying and uh, Dayton's unbelievably great capturing of what he just did. So and, and when I ask people the question, how do you give back? What do you do? Everybody, you know, what do I do? How do I do it? What's the response? So one coworker told me, you know, a number of different things, but I said, okay, without money, take money out of the equation, something you just do for somebody else. And it was, you know, I bring my mother-in-law a latte. Okay. Great, her favorite latte. And then I go, on Sunday mornings I do that. She's in an assisted care facility. And then, you know, because no one else does that for her and she loves this, misses it. And it's, she's just several, you know, newly a few months into this. So I do it every Sunday. I'm like, okay, well really think about that. So what are you really doing? One, you're showing that person you know them. You know what matters to them, what's important to them. Secondly, you're going to get it. You don't have to do that, but you do. Thirdly, you go there. You could drop it off at the front desk and have, her, have them bring up the latte to her, but you go and sit through that time with her, and that's a mindful time. I mean, anytime we're doing that, that is the connection, that's that one-to-one, -one, that's the mindfulness. That's the giving of you and then showing that she mattered enough to you to do that. And that's making a difference. And she's like, you know, a little bit modest, like, you know, I don't know if I go through all of that. And I'm like, well, even if you don't, you did. I mean, it's to me, it's how we do the small things is how we do all things. So when you're doing something that great and it's that helpful, and all of that is going into it, 
Those are the things that matter to people. That's the thing that makes someone weak, even if you're thinking, is I'm just bringing her a latte. So I think all of those things, that's why the, everything that you're talking about is so fantastic and it is making the difference. And then again, at the end of the day, we can feel better about that too. So one last thing I'll say, Dr. Menninger of the famed Menninger Clinic, a number of years ago, whenever he was asked if someone's in a really difficult place, physically or psychologically, if you could do one thing that you would recommend that person to do to be helpful, his comment was go and do something for someone else. There is no greater immediate shift that you can do for your own psychological functioning than to be helpful to someone else. So that's why all of that is so critical. I love that, Charles. So again, if if you find yourself in a funk, I think doing something for someone else really also pulls you out of that. And I, I love how you said how we do the small things is how we do all things. So I think about just taking the extra time to listen to people. I mean, it might just be taking an extra two to three minutes to talk to somebody in the hallway or send a text to a friend and, and engage with them a little bit. Um, just those little things, that's also giving back, just using your time, your energy to check in on other people. Yeah, I like to say that my greatest practice is listening with love. When we are attentive and listening to someone else, and I'm not saying my practice is perfect with that, I'm saying it's a practice of trying to get better. When we are listening with the intent in love, and what I mean by that is to really understand, to really know, to really hear, to totally grasp to the best of my ability. Anytime we're doing that, we are, we are doing something, we're giving back to someone else. Our primary typical day-to-day -day listening is to hear and to then respond, react, sometimes even approve someone wrong. No, that's not what I said, that's not what I did. No, that's not what happened. We're typically trying to listen enough to refute and get our own opinion or viewpoint in. We're not always listening to fully hear, grasp, love, and understand what is being said. So whenever we're present enough just to listen, we are doing a great thing. And that's the, the what I say again by that comment of how we do the small things is how we do all things. Because at the end of the day, caring, connecting, being there for someone else, isn't that one great thing we did? I wrote that check at the end, of the end of the year to this charity. That's great. I'm not saying don't do that, but most of who we are and what we're about in our day-to-day -day functioning, particularly in our relationships, is the million little things that happen throughout the year rather, that one, rather than that one great thing we did for somebody. You know, if that's all we ever did, you know, for our spouses, our children, our relationships, oh yeah, I called you on your birthday, I was great. Okay, that was great, but how we are really giving is in those million little things along the way. So I wanna give you one little example of something that really cemented that for me and helped me feel good about myself. So I used to do a lot of work in Chicago. 
And you know, I always stayed at the same hotel. And the hotel always had this big, um, big bowls of red and Granny Smith apples, which both I loved. And every now and then the day would get so busy, you might not even get long. So one day I grabbed a couple just thinking, ah, just in case I don't get to eat, at least I'll have these to get me through the day. And on the way to the building I was working at, a couple uh, homeless people asked me for money. And, um, and I had the apples right there, like at the top of my bag. And I said, you know, how about an apple? And the person who I gave it to, you would swear that I gave them a million dollars, that it meant that much that, and I, you know, kind of, I wasn't even thinking that, well, I've got this is, and it was like the greatest thing. And I'll tell you what, the person felt great. And that, for all I know, may have been their only meal of the day, but the rest of the day, I felt fantastic. And I noticed it made a difference. It made a difference to that person momentarily. And it made a difference for me throughout the day. I was like, wow, you know? So I made it a little bit of a routine. Every time I left, just in case I wasn't gonna have lunch, I'd take a couple apples. And if, if someone asked me along the way, I would give them one. So, um, so it was just one of those little things that made a big difference in both directions, the giving and the receiving. And that's such a great story, Charles, because I just love how it was something very simple, but it was the thought. It was the thought that you took that moment to give somebody that apple, and it was such a great thing for them. What, what a loving gesture. That's so cool. Um, Dayton, do you have any stories that kind of stand out in your mind of when you were volunteering or encounters that you've had where it really, you could feel it really made a difference for someone? Yeah, um, so when I was in uh, college, we would have like this little quad area and you'd walk through there and you'd have people that would be, I guess like people that were like homeless and you'd be going to class and then it was towards the end of the year and I was with one of my roommates and over the entire year, you know, we've had spare, you get quarters, dimes, throw a college and be kind of just like saving it in a like little jar. And then as we were walking, we were like, hey, you know, like, let's just go to like grocery store or something like that. And we'll pack, grab some items with all this change. And as we were going through, they were walking through that quad and we saw all these people and we kind of made like, it was like a, we didn't really talk about like doing it, but it just kind of like naturally happened. We just kind of ended up like divvying it up a little bit. And then we ended up just kind of like giving it out and kind of like what Charles was saying of like that reaction that they had of like, it was just like, they didn't ask for it. It was kind of just, it was just like, we had a completely different intention with this money, but, and we kind of just like saw a moment and we we're just like, wow, like, you know, like, let's do this instead. And like the feelings and like the, the, the smiles and like the, on like, like, wow, like you're doing this for me. It was just, I don't know. It's like, it's, I felt great for like the rest of the day and like for like a long time. And it's obviously it's a moment that's like stuck in my head because it's, that was like eight years ago now at this point. So, but it's just like small things like that. And, like kind of like it was like how you said it's like the, like the rest of the year you know like you brought an apple past that spot just in case that would happen and I don't know, it was 
definitely like a moment just like Charles where it stuck out and that little small spot made such a big difference in like that one person's day where like it was, you know, it's changed. It was something I was just probably going to go buy like a can of soda with or something. But to that guy, you know, that it was possibly his meal for the day or it was his bottle of water for the next two days. Yeah, it's yeah, really Yeah, that's unbelievable. You made me think of something, Dayton, that I'd, I'd like to add to this if I can, Linda. That Dayton made me think of. As I had that experience also in New York City at this unbelievably place, unfortunately it's closed now, it's called the Carnegie Deli. And they made these sandwiches that were like practically as big as a football. <laughs> and you would order it and there's no way you could eat the whole thing. So one day I was leaving with it, the other half of the football, and someone asked me for something and I gave it to him. And again, it was this, this thrilling, thrilling thing as like never in a million years would you think a half of a sandwich would be that impactful, but it absolutely positively was. So um, you do those kind of things and you feel better. The other thing I want to say about it is there are, you know, this is deep, we're sharing personal experiences, but there are studies that bear this out, that in a five-year window of time, people at a, elderly people at a certain age that continue to do some volunteering work of some sort, their uh, mortality um, drops, it's 44% lower than those who aren't doing something over a five-year window. Now, what I'm not saying is that if we volunteer, we'll live forever, right? I'm definitely not saying that, but it creates such benefits to our well-being that it can in increase our internal happiness, our physical well-being, and as a result, impacts our longevity. That's how scientific the stuff that these little things that we're talking about are huge when it comes to the physical, psychological effects. And secondly, it shows that we're managing stress better because the other effect that it has is when we're doing that, we tend to feel less stressed and less anxious and worried when we're able to do something like what Dayton is talking about and what you're talking about, Linda. So more science of why this is so critical for us. That's great, Charles. And that's where it really ties back to that whole um, well-being model. Um, and that's why we talked about it today, because it really is health benefit to us as well, as, as well as helping others. So I just wanted to read a couple of the comments that were, that were in the chat, because I think that this is really nice, um, knowing this is helping people today. So someone commented, I so needed this conversation today. I've been feeling a little down and out, overwhelmed even. I need to truly connect with those around me in the moment and listen to others in order to have myself heard too. Thank you for sharing your stories and advice. And then um, our friend Julie uh, Johnson, we just experienced this in Nashville. We stayed in a VRBO and had leftover food, soap, et cetera, and a homeless lady asked us for money. We told her we'd give her all the food and hygiene supplies we had left. She was so grateful, she was crying and said, God bless our soul, felt great giving after that and to see her face. Um, and then someone else said, beautiful, caring, connecting, and truly it's the little things, Lis listening with love and making a difference. 
So I think people are really connecting to this idea and they can see the benefit of it. So if anyone has questions uh, for us, for Charles, myself, or Dayton, feel free to, to put those in. But I really want to just pause and, and challenge all of you, challenge all of you to think about what are ways that you can give. And again, it doesn't have to be of monetary value, but anything in terms of your time, your energy, your resources. Um, our team right now is doing a bulletin board where we're, we're calling it 31 Days of Giving, and we're all putting different ideas up there on what we think it means to give, and then we're going to take that as a team and try to have some type of um, calendar where we're going to do things on a regular basis. So I'm really excited to see how that, how that works out. Uh, but feel free to put questions in as we start to wrap up here. Um, Charles, any parting thoughts for us today? Some final final words to send us I off have with? Several. Yeah, I have several thoughts on this. And then I want to do a little bit of a preview of our next topic. And uh, But I want to highlight this notion of uh, what I'm calling uh, reciprocal altruism that how that in the cascade of gratitude and gratefulness and how we need to cultivate that. And as much as, so back to something you had said, Linda, we're, the human brain is hardwired to be profoundly social. We are always navigating our way through social relationships, hopefully giving and receiving as much as possible along the way, but we feel better than when we give than when we receive. So back to where we started. But there's this notion of something called a helper's high. And that's what I was describing earlier. When we do that, that's why that becomes so great. This helper's high, like I did this. Something as much as helping someone up if they fall is our demonstration of when we have empathy, not backed up by caring, we have the feeling, but did we do something to show we cared? These actions that we're talking about are showing caring in addition to empathy. And that's why that altruism is so key, the reciprocal nation. But the other thing is that sometimes our day-to-day -day lives can get in the way of what we're grateful for, how we want to help, and what we want to do. So just think of this mindset of gratitude versus a day-to-day -day experience. Um, so at the end of the day, you're reflecting on your day. Oh my gosh, I couldn't get the parking spot I wanted. Traffic was terrible. I got caught in every red light. And you know, at the end of the day, um, I was late for a meeting. Two people missed their meeting. I missed this phone call. I didn't get this email taken care of. And that doesn't sound very grateful, right? It's like a laundry list of all the things that may have or could have gone wrong. But looking more at what I'm grateful for and why is a much healthier perspective. And that helps us to be in a position to give back. When all we're looking at is the negativity of a day rather than the gratefulness of a day, that is impacting us. So again, it's how we're, you know, as I always like to say, when we manage the, the minutes, the years take care of themselves. So when our mindset in is, is a way of we're grateful and giving back, we're managing our own positivity compared to potential negativity 
and our mindset in is, is in a much healthier place. That is why everything we're talking about at the end of the day is so impactful to us and to those around us that we love and then beyond. There's one other thing that I wanna say and why I think what we're talking about is so critical is we're talking about everything we've talked about today is almost primarily people driven. So again, we're profoundly social and how are we impacting? But to me, this even expands to a greater level. So um, what I mean by that is how grateful are we and how are we giving back through our community and our environment, what's physically around us, our oceans, you know, those sorts of things. I was talking with somebody and she said we were, you know, someone had moved and we had to get, go through the whole home and everybody was like, go oh, get rid of that. Yep, get rid of that. Yep, oh yeah, we got to get rid of that. And then the thought came, how are we getting rid of that? And what impact is that having? And how can we give back even environmentally and take that into account, whether it's oceans and so forth? So this is people, this is groups, this is communities and beyond that we, if we think about it, understand if and how we give back. And it's in the little things, but not the big things. So with that, I'll wrap up and see if there's any comments there. And then I wanna take a minute just for, like I said, a little bit of a preview to next month. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Charles. Yes, I love the idea of really being in that place of gratitude. It, it just, it makes so much difference um, in your perspective and, and how you perceive things. So Dayton, do you have any um, final parting thoughts you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they think of volunteering, like they see like a high barrier to entry of being like, you have to go, like you have to go to like a certain event or anything like that. But like what Charles was saying earlier with like, the person he knows that was getting the coffee for his grandparents, like his grandmother in the nursing home. Like you can start small with like events, like situations like that, or, you know, like reaching out to a friend that maybe you're going through a hard time or just start, start small and kind of like start doing smaller little differences in people's days. And then as you kind of get more comfortable with it and like, you kind of get a little bit more joy out of doing it, then maybe you can branch out to like, you know, bigger events of whether it's, you know, like a, weekly volunteering at Bellin Hospital or weekly volunteering at the local soup kitchen or any situation like that. Because I think some people might find it daunting, like the prospect of having to go to something that's like so new, like volunteering at an event where you don't really know anyone and you're not really sure like how you're helping. But if you kind of like start small and you maybe build up, that is like, because that's kind of how like when I was younger, you know, like you kind of started small with like when it was just, you know, volunteering at like a school event or something like that, or doing like these small little things. And then it kind of built up to where I am now, where I'm volunteering at Bellin, I'll do like Special Olympics, March of Dimes, all of those different organizations. And I think it's just, that's the best way to go about it. I mean, it really is at the end of the day. I mean, like everything we've talked about, like at, you just feel so great at giving like just small little moments. And at the end of the day, it really, it relieves really a lot of stress because in those moments, you're not like thinking about something that in your life that might be going wrong. You're just interacting with someone, you know, it's just a person to person connection. You're not worrying about the bill that might not be paid. You're just living in a moment with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. 
perfect way to wrap us up, Dayton. Thank you so much for that. So before we go, we do want to give you just a little bit of a teaser. Uh, Charles, what are we going to be talking about next month? Yeah, so as I introduce it, I want to leave Dayton. Thank you so much for what you said and what you captured. And it makes it takes me to the last thing that I wanted to say about that and then introduce the next topic is that anytime we're doing that, it takes us outside of us. And what you just said was the very nature of that. I could get mired in this, but when I get out of myself and I'm more about other people, I am becoming better. So how you describe that, absolutely beautiful and how it even helps manage our stress. So thank you so much for that and the way you captured it. Absolutely great. So, so moving ahead to next month, there's, you know, we have the Olympics coming up. There's uh, the Packers getting ready to start up. There's Wimbledon happening right now. There's the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA finals, which is fantastic especially for Bucks fans who've been waiting a long time for that to happen. We had Aaron Rodgers come out this weekend saying most of his offseason has been spent thinking about and working on and taking care of his mental health. So mental health in many different aspects, and one of them is in sports. And the, the topic for next month is uh, fact versus myth. And one of the myths that we know of or think of for a lot of people, and not everybody shares this, but one of the great myths out there is that some of these sports figures and sports legends are basically immune to mental health needs and so forth. But it's not the case. Recently at the French Open, there was a number one tennis player. Her name is Naomi Osaka, who came out and said she was not going to do interviews because of how stressful they were and how negatively they affected her mental health and that she suffered from anxiety and depression. And recently an Olympic sprinter, the fastest woman in the country was left off the Olympic team because she recently suffered a tremendous loss of a family member, I believe it was her mother, and had tested positive for a substance it wasn't a performance enhancing in substance. In fact, it was probably a performance impairing substance and she's left off the team because of that. So there's a lot in the world of sport that impacts our health. And next week or next month, we wanna take a look at the psychological effects uh, that sports has on people and how we can best understand and manage that and support even uh, the greatest mental health through the greatest adversities in life, including those that may come from the adversities of athletics. So that's just a sample of what we'll talk about next week or next month, but wanted to give you a little bit of a preview to what that would look like. Yes, thank you for that, Charles. It's definitely, it's going to be a great discussion. We're really going to, we're really going to dig into that and, uh, we're looking forward to seeing all of you again next month. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dayton, for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for all of your volunteer work at Bellin. We know you're making a difference. Charles, as always, thank you for giving us so much great information today. 
and uh, for our audience, we really challenge you. We, we challenge you to think about how you can give back. So have a wonderful rest of the day, and uh, we'll see you all next month. Take care.